We're in, I almost called it summer in the Psalms, but we'll probably hit some Psalms periodically, and I didn't want to stick it to just the summer. But, but we're doing a series through the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are, it's one of those books, a lot of people love the Psalms, but th there's a bit of variety in there, if you will. And so we're going to land this week, and I know I've been jumping around. You can still submit your favorite Psalm number. I'll, I might be able to work it in there, but uh, even though we do have a plan. Psalm 37, though, is where we're going today. Now, it's interesting. Now, this is the, the academic side of me. You have to understand, I'm, I, I both like outdoor stuff and sports, and I'm like a, a nerd. I'm like this weird combination of the two, and I'm a book nerd, and I, I am actually, I, one of the courses I get to teach is on um, Psalms and Proverbs and uh, just wisdom literature in general, and so this one today is an acrostic poem. Anybody know what an acrostic is? Okay, nobody, uh, but a couple. Okay, here we go. Uh, but it, it's basically the Hebrew alphabet. If you knew Hebrew and you looked at this in Hebrew, it, uh, the verses, uh, they, they start with the same letter of the Hebrew. Uh, so, you know, like Psalm 119 is kind of in the middle of the Bible, if you've ever seen that. And some translations have like the little letters above each section. And that one, all the sections start there. So it's just kind of interesting. Uh, and so, um, it, it, you know, if, I mean, you probably, most of us don't know Hebrew. Uh, we're actually going to learn it today. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but you don't have to learn Hebrew. You don't have to know Hebrew. It is required for membership. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not. But it should be. When, I, when, when my kids were little, I would teach them Hebrew. And we would, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Anyone know that song? The Aleph, Bet song? No, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so as we dive into, into Psalm 37, we're going to see uh, it really hits one of the, the common struggles that we have sometimes in living the godly life. It's often you know, the people who aren't godly prosper. Some of the, the ones, you know, you live a godly life, and, and sometimes you, you don't. So Psalm 37, we're going to jump in. Uh, it starts this verse 1. It says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Uh, don't worry. The Hebrew sort of has the, the, the sense of like, like, don't get too hot about it. Now, now the we, we're reading the New Living Translation because it's a really readable, easy translation, and a lot of people find it easy to read. And I, I, it's a really reliable translation. It is. But, but it's sometimes the ESV uh, does things uh, really literally, which can sometimes feel clunky because it's not every translation. If you, you know, some of us speak multiple languages, you know, you, <laughs> you know, not every translation, trans, like, you know, literally word for word, it can, can be difficult. And so uh, the ESV, though, it says here, I think it like it, fret not. Now, so Tyler, is your guitar, do you have frets? It says fret not, you know, you got to get rid of the frets. No, we're not, it's not, not guitar frets, but, uh, you know, the, the idea is not to worry, uh, you know, not to get worked up. Uh, you know, there's some translations that say don't get all worked, uh, or even one says be cool. <laughs> uh, it, it, now, that's not that kind of cool. But, you know, you're thinking, yeah, I want air conditioning, it's kind of cool. But it, you know, it's easier to say fret not than to do, right? <laughs> because, I mean, biblically, I know it's true, fret not, but all day long, I'm like, fret, 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 fret. <laughs> uh, because we, we can get, you know, we, we struggle with it. Now, yesterday, I drove up into um, the northern part of the state and then into the King of Prussia area. I had to be in for something. And some of you already know I'm th what I'm thinking. Traffic. It, it, it's a lot different. You know, we get used to this. Like, this is pretty calm. We think a bad traffic day is I missed one light. 
Uh, you know, you get up there, I mean, like, people are cutting you off in ways that you're like, how is someone not dying? Uh, you know, this one guy, he ran up the side of the road because he got tired of waiting for traffic. He was running down the shoulder of the road. And I'll be honest, I fretted. Because, you know, part of me wants instantaneous justice. Like, you, you kind of want them to hit, like, some, not to die or anything, I'm not that, but you kind of, like, you hope they hit something and get a flat tire or something. Because instead, people, they do something, and then they, they prosper anyway. They get out ahead of you. And then, man, we tend to think of driving as a game where we don't want anyone to pass us. Anyone? Just a couple of us? No. I, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, freed of that. <laughs> but, you know, we, we get worked up. And there's a, there's a, some of you are not, a couple of you are on Twitter, I know, I, I follow you. Some of you, I don't know if I want to follow you, no. But uh, Twitter is one of those words, uh, one of those social medias that people just do nothing but fret. It ought to be called fretter. Because if you go on there, everyone's, all, there's always some topic trending, and it's usually people upset about something. And oftentimes, what they're upset about is kind of laughable, because you're like, seriously, dude? Like, that's the biggest issue you got in life. You're doing pretty well. Uh, you know, you didn't get ice coke. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, you got coke. Anyway, uh, but, but you know, there's, you, it's easy to fret. Now, there was a movie, uh, 2015, some of us like movies, the movie Inside Out, remember that one? It's like animated. Some of you have children, you'll understand. You'll see every animated movie to the point you're like, oh, gosh. You know, if it, uh, someone would, uh, during the period our kids were young, people would be like, hey, did you, did you see this movie? I'm like, did it have an animated singing fish? Because no, no, I didn't. Like, <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember the, the, the Inside Out movie, there's like all these little emotions inside of them. And, and remember the anger guys, <laughs> flames would shoot out of his head. This is what we're not supposed to do. I mean, it's okay to have anger at some righteous things. We'll talk about that. But a lot of times that, 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 little, that little flame pops up. And some of you have friends who, who do it really easily, right? Like you have a friend who just, you know, zero to 60. You know, that's nice in a sports car, not good in your emotions, right? And so it's that kind of thing. And I think we can relate to it. And it says, you know, envy. Because sometimes the wicked prosper. They make it ahead in traffic and you don't. And, you know, we don't have to prove that there's evil in the world. We don't have to prove there's wrong stuff. Because if you've lived long enough, you, you've seen some people who don't live right. Uh, and, you know, it, sometimes it almost feels like there's more evil today. I think that's like a symptom of old age in some ways. Because the older I get, the more I, oh, you kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost there. Uh, and, and, and I think part of that... It is, you know, it's just there's not as many societal restraints on things that, that, you know, the church would consider sin. And so we see a lot of things that bother us, and it's hard in the midst of that because I want to fret. And, and then I, I want to envy because, you know, sometimes the people who do wrong seem to get ahead in life. And, and some of us know you, you, you are at work. You work hard and honestly, right? The person who's lazy, cheats, and takes credit for your work gets the promotion. It, it's hard not to envy, right? It's hard not to fret. Uh, you know, you, you tithe and give and, and serve at the church, but you see on Instagram, everyone's taking these beautiful vacations. <laughs> you know, and you, you, you want to you know, do something like that. And it's easy sometimes to envy what others have, envy their apparent uh, reward, and it's often then hard to be content with what we do have. 
you know, we can't control what others have or do, but we can control our reactions. David gives us this advice uh, as a Psalm of David in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. Uh, you know, and verses 4 and 5 are, are, are sort of, um, in the ESV, you know, these are popular verses, you may have heard them a different way. So, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And uh, the problem is, we, we look often at the people who are prospering when they do evil, when they do the wrong thing, and we, we're doing the right thing, and then I think sometimes we think of God as like the consolation prize. Like, we don't get the good stuff, but you know, everyone's doing better than you, but at least you have the Lord. Wah, wah. <laughs> because we don't delight in God. It, it, it's easy to kind of forget and, and not delight in the fact that, that we have the Lord. And, and that, that should make a difference in our everyday life because our focus is on different things. Now, it is hard. When you're driving a car that you struggle to get started and working, and, you're, and, you're, and your neighbor, who uh, you know, apparently does not love God from their actions and behaviors, has the new car that starts and works, it's a struggle. But, but ultimately, we, we have God, and he is the prize. Uh, Matthew 13, 44, one of my favorite verses in Matthew, says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Uh, because the kingdom of God is of such value, we'd give everything for it. Now, if you found, like, a treasure trove, I, I, I've told you, I, I, when, you, when you're in this area, there were all kinds of pirates and everything down at the beach area, if you don't know the history of Lewis and everything. You know, Kit's Hummock is Captain Kidd's, you know, hangout place. Uh, you know, so some of you don't know. And there's, like, he may have been in this, he was in this area, but, you know, and so there's always these, like, buried treasure stories. And you can actually find, like, gold doubloons walking along the beach in Lewis sometimes, you know, there's gold coins. No, I know it sounds like a, a story, but, you know, if you metal detect, you, it, sometimes they wash up because, uh, you know, wrecks and everything. I, and so I always picture kind of like, if you found a giant treasure chest, and, and then, like, it was on an on a, on oceanfront lot there, or maybe the, on the bay there at Lewis, it, and you knew there was a treasure chest of, like, you finally found the, the pirate treasure, you would sell everything you had to buy that lot, right? Be, because you, you would get lots of money for it. And that's the kingdom of the God. The kingdom of God is so valuable, you, we should want to give everything to acquire it, because it's better. But often we look at God as, like, the consolation prize. You know, like, we, we, you, don't, you don't get success, but you got Jesus. You know, it's the opposite. It's like, we get Jesus, and, and we don't re really, we shouldn't um, focus on those other things. Now, how do you not envy the wicked, though? I, I think number one is we look up. You get our eyes off the wicked, uh, and often on ourselves. We get our eyes to the Lord. It says, you know, trust. And, and ultimately, there, there's Faith is this starting point of a relationship with God. And we talk about the ABCs of faith, you know, admit, believe, commit. And so you, you, you know, admit you're a sinner. You, you believe in Jesus. You came for your sins. And he died for you. And then you commit to living differently uh, because of that. And so we have to first believe and trust that God knows best, that, that, that he wants the best for us. Now, I was, 
I was fortunate we were up, we were at a volleyball thing yesterday, and, you know, I'm watching my daughter play volleyball, and I'll be honest, like, I cried a little. I do. Every time I watch my kids play sports, I cry a little because I'm so excited for them. You know, it's okay. I can be big and tough and cry too, right? Because, you know, I've killed more deer than most of you. <laughs> Many things. I fixed my car this morning, and I cry a little when, you know, I... <laughs> I cry in movies all the time. I, get, I, I cry at YouTube videos. I don't know. But anyway, I, especially, I look at my kids, and I, you know, I, I, I cry sometimes because I'm so, I'm so happy because I love them. And that's how God looks at us. If you're a child of God, you know, when you're doing well, you, you, you cry a little. Now, that doesn't mean I don't let my kids go through hard things, though. Right? You can trust. I'm a parent who loves my children, but sometimes I let my kids go through hard things because it, you know, it makes them a better athlete. It makes them a better student. It makes them a better person. And so often, you know, we have to kind of, we have to trust and go, hey, God, we, we, we put our faith in God, and that means we put our faith in all his decisions and choices, even when it's hard for us. It says, uh, do good. You know, our actions follow our belief. If I trust in God, I do what he says. Jesus said, you know, put these words into practice. We've gone over that recently, so I won't dig into that passage deeply. But, you know, do you do the things that Jesus says? Do, do we, are we going to, to live this life uh, that God has called us to? And then delight in our heart's desire. You know, delight in our heart's desires. You know, what do we delight in, if we're honest? I know we're going to say the Lord because we're in church. That's the answer, right? We delight in the Lord. We delight in Jesus. No, but we delight in a lot of things in life. You know, after church, go, this is like advertisement for Tracerelli. You know, you go over oh my gosh, some of that ice cream over there is like unbelievable. Anyone been there? And you can play mini golf. It's like a great thing. Uh, I delight in ice cream. I do. And we delight in all kinds of food, right? I was so disappointed yesterday. We were traveling. I was near an Ethiopian food restaurant. And some of you know I love Ethiopian food. It was funny because, you know, <laughs> other people almost ended up in the same restaurant. It would have been funny. But I, I was so excited because I delight in Ethiopian food. Now, they, it was unfortunately closed. They, we didn't get to go. <laughs> but I did get some great Indian food. But you know, you delight in good food. You know, we, we delight in sports, some of us. We, we love to watch sports. I mean, it's easy when you're a Steelers fan. It's harder when you're green. But, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I'm just getting, I'm, I'm just pump, priming the pump there for the next season. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've had some rough years, too. But, um, so now we know what you guys go through. But, you know, uh, you know sports. You, know, you, you have sports and things that we delight in. We delight on, and a lot of us, we delight in Netflix. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, I, I told you, I had a friend who was like, yeah, we don't watch TV anymore. And then I find out, like, just watch, like, Netflix all day. It's like, well, that's, well, glad you, you made that jump and are no longer a slave to television. Now you're a slave to your phone watching Netflix. Um... <laughs> But, you know, we delight in so many things, uh, but, but really we need to, because we turn to those things for comfort, but ultimately we should be turning to God for comfort. You know, we steam over what we don't have, or we can delight in, in the God we do have. You know, we, we don't always get what we want when we pray, though. You know, uh, God will give the desire of our hearts. Uh, but here's the thing, when you pray, God will shape your heart and desires. You know, when we pray, God, you know, Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, it, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, it begins to change you. And I've told you the story many times. I remember I was in, in the factory, and 
um, when I was working, and uh, I'd, I'd become a believer in, in Jesus, and, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, you don't cuss anymore, and I'm like, really? I'm like, that's not true, and I'm like, yeah, it kind of is, <laughs> uh, because, you know, my language had changed a little. Sorry, Dad, now you know I cussed a little bit. <laughs> that's the tough thing when you go, you know, like, can I tell that story with Dad here? <laughs> is he watching online? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, God, God changes our desires, because often, you know, you have that advice, follow your heart. That is really bad advice most of the time. Because my heart <laughs> wants all kinds of things that it shouldn't have. But when I delight in the Lord, God changes my desires. You know, it should be delight in God, seek him, and then see what you want. And it's hard. Because sometimes the things you desire are good. I remember when I was... <laughs> I was praying over whether I should marry uh, Denise. As a lot of you don't know, some of you know if you went to high school with me. Denise and I, like, we started dating in, like, the seventh grade. I know, that's crazy, right? I, we had to tell our kids, don't worry, you don't have to meet your kid, at your, your, your spouse by fifth grade, but, you know, it helps. <laughs> but, you know, I, I met her in fifth grade, you know, and it was funny because you're, like, you know, anti sitting next to them, and then a few years, one of my teachers, like, you know, in a couple years, you're going to want to sit next to each other. Sure enough, uh, we... we <laughs> Really wanted to sit by her. But, you know, you know, we became believers, you know, and I'm praying because I want God's will for my life, but I really wanted Denise for my wife. <laughs> you know, and it was really, it was one of those things hard to give up, you know. And, and it, you know, But I ultimately, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I felt comfortable with it. But it's hard because my heart desire, no matter what God might be saying, was, I love this woman, you know. I, but when you delight in God, you, he'll shape your desires to be holy good I know I have other friends who were in relationships, sought God, and had to leave that relationship because it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> and that's, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. Uh, we, we don't always get what we want for when we pray, but God changes our hearts. Uh, Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, so, so the Holy Spirit, when we're believers, the Holy Spirit then comes inside and lives us, us in this way that, that it enables to, to live a different life. You know, we often talk about the struggles and the problems we have with sin, because we, we do have struggles. But, but you should get better. You, you should, you're never going to be sinless, but you should sin less. <laughs> you know, you let that Holy Spirit continue to move you, change you, uh, and make us more like him. We use the term more Jesus-y. You should be more like Jesus. I don't like Christ-like because you, if you've heard that term enough, you kind of like, oh, yeah, Christ-like. Uh, Jesus-y. Be like Jesus. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's admit your way to the Lord. Do what God calls us to do. You know, uh, and, and I, I think often here, I was thinking about, and probably because we just went through uh, First and Second Peter not long ago, uh, but First Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. You know, it, and then that, that looks good on paper, right? Like, oh, I'm going to give all my worries and cares to God. Um, I have worries and cares for a lot of you that, that, are, that are hard to give to God. I have worries and cares for, for my own family that, that, are, that are hard to give to God. And, and we tend, it, it, it's harder to practice than, than just the theory. And I think um, we're good at taking it back, right? Because, you know, 5-7 five, five, uh, in, uh, in the ESV says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Maybe you've heard a translation like that. I, and what, what I picture, because English has words that, you know, could be different meanings here, but I think of fishing. Anyone ever go fishing? Okay, a couple of you. Let me 
There's lakes and stuff. I, live, I, you know, I grew up living on a lake. You know, you, you throw it out, and then I'd teach my kids, you don't just throw it out and let it sit there, because you're using the lure. You have to reel it back in. But the problem is, we need to cast it and leave it there like you're fishing with a worm. You know, but we, we cast it out, and we reel it in. We take it back. And, and, and so there's this constant effort on my part to to give it up to God because it creeps back in. I I, I take my anxieties. I, you know, I I take all those things back. And ultimately, we have an enemy who wants us to live feeling like that, who wants us to to live in in worry and struggle and confusion. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if I told you um, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, uh, circus is coming to town, uh, and they, they accidentally let a lion out. Like, it would change the way you live for the next couple of days, right? You'd be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my gun with me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run quickly, I'm going to run with someone who's slower than me, so, you know, <laughs> I can make it to safety, you know. Um, but, you know, if, you, if, if, we, if, we, if we thought there was a chance of being eaten when we left this house, or, you know, the, the, or your house, or, or this house, you, you, you would live carefully. You, you would be wise. You would look at what's going on. And that's sometimes we forget that we have an enemy. And the enemy would want, wants nothing more than you for you to fret over what the, uh, the, uh, the other people have. Wants you, you, wants you to envy wants you to fret, wants you to worry, wants you to, to, to put your emphasis on that instead of looking what God has given us. Verse 6 uh, uh, says this, He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like noonday sun. Be still in the presence of, our Lord, of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about, what evil, about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. You, now you just have to worry, like, Poetry is not linear, so we kind of keep hitting some different things. That's just David. That's poetry. <laughs> I know some of us are like, we dealt with that. Why are we coming back to that? <laughs> Maybe because we all keep dealing with it. It says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Uh, and, and that's really kind of the, the do not lose your temper. I mean, here we're talking about, you know, dealing with the, with the struggle of other people having stuff. But that's really like good advice for everyone because... You know, <laughs> rarely does anger bring any good, right? Like Jesus, I mean, don't get me wrong, like he gets angry. You know, people are like, what did Jesus do? And I'm like, well, you know, one time he enters the temple and he flips over tables and chases people with a whip. So be careful. <laughs> I'm going to do what Jesus did. No, uh, but you know, his was about injustice. And, and he went into the temple and he was upset because they took the court of the Gentiles, the place where the Gentiles were to come close to God. They turned it into like a place where they're selling overpriced merchandise and expensive pretzels like a Philly stadium. Uh, <laughs> you know, sorry. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it became this, this, this not at all what God intended. It was keeping people. So that's kind of righteous anger. But often my anger is at something different. And I, I struggle when I drive. And, and you know, fortunately, my, my kids can attest I'm not throwing golf balls or anything outside uh, <laughs> the windows. I'll, some of you had just got ideas. You know, 10 millimeter sockets. I was just trying to help them fix their car. Uh, <laughs> some of you get that. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you know we, we get upset about less than holy things, right? We're not, we're not talking Jesus. James 1.19 says this. Uh, Starting verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
we like, are, we, a lot of us are, um, are, are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. So we're the opposite of that. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And skipping down to uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Uh, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what, you, uh, what will give you pleasure. You know, and a lot of times our anger is not for the right reasons. Our, our, our anger is selfish. Um, Verse 9 says, For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. You know, bottom line is we shouldn't envy the wicked even when they prosper, because ultimately it won't bring them hope. It won't bring us the hope we have of eternal life in Christ. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment the best meal you can think of. So this is going to be different for all of us, right? Um, you know, maybe for some of you, it's seafood. Have you, have you tried the, the Maryland crabs yet or Delaware crabs? Oh, these crabs are, you, you need almost a lesson on how to crack a crab properly, though. We, I remember we gave, we, we, uh, some of you remember Aaron and Shaughnessy? We, we were having crabs with them, and like they whacked the crab with a mallet. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't whack that part. You know, there's this whole process. I, I literally said that out loud. I was in such shock, and they're like, I'm sorry, I thought you whack them with mallets. I'm like, you do. But not that part. <laughs> You're about to eat a bunch of lungs if you do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But, but you know, you know maybe, maybe seafood is your thing. You know, some of, like, you, you, some, you're just back up in Maine. There's some lobster everywhere. <laughs> they're just, oh my gosh, they're good. Um, I, there was like a, the town we lived in with Maine had a triple lobster dinner for like 12 bucks or something. I mean, yeah, some of you are like, you can't even buy a lobster. It was great. I like food, as you can tell. Um, well, you usually don't get to be bigger without <laughs> eating a little bit. Um, you, see, you know, seafood, uh, you know, lobster, crabs, whatever your thing is. Maybe that, or maybe it's bacon. Like, I mean, I, I'll admit, like, I eat bacon, you eat a little bit of bacon, and, like, a snack's in it when you accidentally eat the whole pound you cooked uh, instead of giving it to your family. I'm not saying it's happened, but it has. Um, you know, steak. Or, or maybe, like, a greasy burger. You know, French food, if you're all fancy over here, drinking with your finger up. You know, picture that. Great nachos. Maybe great coffee. Or Ethiopian food, because that is God's gift to us in Jira. Uh, but picture, picture that for a second. Picture the most magnificent meal you can. Some of you are like getting hungry now. You're like, Jeff, finish this sermon. We're, 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 we're going to lunch now. Uh, <laughs> Indian food. Oh, sag, paneer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, now, now um, you picture your perfect meal. Now imagine someone evil enjoying that meal. Do you feel as good about that meal? You know, uh, maybe someone who's wronged you, they get your perfect meal. You're sitting next to them with like a cup of water and a breadcrumb. I don't know. Uh, maybe that someone who's wronged your family. Maybe someone who's always cheats, selfish, nar narcissist. How do you feel when they're enjoying that meal? <laughs> Not so good. Now, if that was their last meal before a firing squad, are you jealous? No. 
because you know the end of that. If it's like the last meal you get because you're on death row, you're not envy. No one's ever looked at someone eating on death row and go, oh, I wish I could swap places with them, <laughs> right? Because the end destination isn't where we want to be. And, and you know, <laughs> um, you know we, we envy because we don't understand that, that our reward is coming. You know, I, I told a story um, a while back, I think it was during the First Peter series, it was the story of the missionary, and he, you know, comes back after serving God his whole, you know, his, all his, like, good year, if you will. He comes back kind of older, tireder from serving in Africa his whole life, and it happens to be on, like, the same ship the president was at the time. There's this big parade for the president and everything, and ticker tape, you know, you kind of picture the old-fashioned parades, and everyone's so excited because the president came back from, like, shooting animals in Africa, you know, no one's really, like, celebrating this dude, and the guy was praying, he was, like, kind of like, God, you know, you know, <laughs> no one cares when I come home, uh, you know, and he's kind of grumbling a little bit, and uh, God just says, well, you're not home yet, B because our, ultimately, our reward is not in this life. Now, it's nice to get a little reward. It, it, it's not bad to enjoy some things, but we can't envy the wicked. We can't envy those uh, don't follow Christ because ultimately the destination is not the same. And, and so you can enjoy the ride, but it's not, you know, nearly as good as the, the end result of our hope in Christ. It's been said this life is as close to hell as Christians get, and this life is as close to heaven as non-Christians get. Verse 11 says, the lowly will possess the land and live in peace and prosperity. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how, how do we not envy? Uh, I, I think, you know, we look up to God to delight in him, and we look forward in time. Now, it, maybe you, you kind of picture this, and uh, you, when, you, when you hear the lowly, the humble, the meek, it sounds a lot like Matthew 5, right? Um, verse 5 says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Or, again, the ESV says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, you know, I, I think when we hear meek, we get all kinds of different... If I said Andy is a meek guy... You, you might get a sort of a, an idea of what you, you know, what would you expect. It's not a we, most of us use. Does anyone use meek a lot in their daily life? No, no. Maybe a Scrabble word for you. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it, the idea is, you know, there's different, you know, people say compliant, submissive. I, I, like, I like the one definition, enduring injury with patience. Because sometimes life's not fair. But we have to endure patiently. Uh, we, we, we wait for God. You know, uh, unfortunately, many people see uh, meek as weak. Like if you don't kind of take yours in the middle of it. Um, I've got a lifelong obsession with strength and power. Some of you know I like to lift heavy weights. I like to pick things up and put things down. Uh, you know, when I was young, I had this, I, I still blame it on this book I had. And these guys, it was like an animated book about the, not animated, like cartoon. It didn't move. In our day, books didn't. You know, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, but I remember it's like these muscle guys on the beach, and I was like, oh, I want to be like that. <laughs> I want to lift weights, and then I just got obsessed with lifting heavier and heavier things. Uh, you know, football, wrestling, powerlifting, strongman, all that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, now here's the point. <laughs> Especially before I was a believer, <laughs> when wronged, I didn't want to wait for God. Right? I wanted to take things into my own hands. Now, I know I'm the only one who struggles with that. <laughs> and, and, you know, but if you have the power to rectify things, it's easy, especially 
to take that power and to rectify things. But, but ultimately, when we trust in God, we leave that justice to him. And, and so we have strength, uh, but under power. Uh, and we have power but under control. Uh, and so we can be patient and trust that God will ultimately be just. You know, there's a theological concept called the now and the not yet. And, and so when you read the Gospels, you know, Jesus announces the kingdom is here. You know, and, and he, he prays for people uh, who are sick, they get healed. You know, he prays claims freedom for the captives and there's a lot of awesome stuff and we see that in the new so the kingdom is now it showed up with jesus but there's but not everybody gets healed not all captives go free and so it's a not the, the kingdom's here now but it's not yet fully realized if you will and so we live in this world where you know jesus has come to redeem but things are still messed up a bit the kingdom is now but not yet uh, and sometimes we have to wait for justice. And the problem is, justice is above my pay grade. Like the way I mete out justice, it may not be justice. It might become injustice. And, and so we wait for the Lord. Um, a commentator has said this, It is hard for most of us to take the long view because we are consumed by the present. But we need to do it if we are to grow in grace and begin to understand something of what God is doing in this world. Um, you know, I, um, I like the game Uno. Anyone like Uno? I, and I, I loved playing with my kids when they were young because I could still beat them. Um, but I, I love, like, everyone thinks you have, like, blue, and you say Uno, and, like, you have a wild, and I change it to blue, and I have one card left, and they're, like, red. I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter because when it comes around to me, draw four, wild. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? You kind of set them up. When I was kid, my daughter does it to me all the time now. I can't beat her. Uh, but you know, you kind of know how the, the game's going to go differently. I think so. You can be patient, and you you can even enjoy that moment because you know what's coming. Uh, now, there was a game. Did anybody remember Hello? There was like these little black and white tiles, and you like you you change colors. I was really good at that, and I remember I played with a friend growing up, and. You know, the, the trick of that game is to take the long view, not the short view. Because if you're looking at the short view, like your tiles can be flipping, but I, I know what I'm doing. And so you kind of lock in things and suddenly you flip it and like the whole board goes from white to black because I always like to be black. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, his tiles would all be there. I remember, and then a boom, and, and I ended up winning. And I enjoyed it because I knew it looks like I'm losing, but I'm going to win, right? Uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, uh, I had a, a little bit of a tornado, some of you know, <laughs> went through our property. Um, there's actually going to be a block party this week. I'm, uh, someone texted me yesterday, invited me. There's going to be like, we're going to block off the street and have a live band. I'm like, this is like, you know, we're just going to celebrate. Everything got destroyed last year. Most of us are still rebuilding. We're going <laughs> to, anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Patty, that's my RSVP guest. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it's interesting because now if you go to our house, there's like weeds everywhere, right? Like, and, and some of you have been to my house, you're like, yeah, it's pretty bad. But before, nothing kind of grew because there were like big, like trees, and now it's like a vacant lot, and so there's, there's stuff growing everywhere. Now, I haven't planted the trees yet, but when I plant the tree, and there's still weeds growing up because I'm just not, I don't have enough time to weed whack them all. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, 
you could be jealous of the weeds growing up because some of the weeds are pretty tall at our house. They're like, we got, I don't know what these things are. They're huge. You know, but you could kind of go, oh man, that's like, they're really sprouting and blooming, right? But when I plant that oak, what's going to win the race ultimately? The oak. I'm going to make sure it, it, it grows. And ultimately, you know, the weeds won't even be able to grow anymore. It's like, we don't want to be weeds. We want to be the oak. And we have to take this long-term view of life that, that, you know, it's better to be an oak than a weed that's here today, gone tomorrow. And God has this, this plan for us. Uh, you know, I, my pastor in California, I, I really enjoyed, I worked under him while I was going to school. And <laughs> I, I used to always say, you know, would kind of start to fret and, and envy and worry. And he would, he would kind of, he had, he had this really good, I, you know, kind of took the long view. And he's like, you know, I've read the book. I know who wins in the end. Because ultimately, you know, there will be justice. Ultimately, there, there is this, this hope in Christ at the end. And so there's no need to be jealous when uh, we know su their success will be short-lived when we have this long view of life. Um, it says, verse 12 says, The wicked plot in, against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance, but the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. You know, and honestly, people may see your faith and laugh. They'll think, oh, they're stupid. How, how, why would you center your life around that? But ultimately, our hope is in this eternal home in heaven. It, you know, Peter calls us, you know, about people, you know, strangers and aliens. And some of you are stranger than others. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> but, but, you know, Peter call, calls us to live in a different way because this is not our home. This is not our world. And um, David puts this thought uh, in some cool imagery here it says the wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and oppress to slaughter those who do right but their swords will stab their own hearts and their bows will be broken it is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich for the strength of the wicked will be shattered but the lord takes care of the godly day by day the lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever uh, they will not be disgraced in hard times even in famine they will have more than enough but the wicked will die the Lord's enemies are like flowers of the field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never pay, but the godly are, are generous givers. And, you know, uh, again, this, this psalm kind of keeps hitting some of these same themes and, uh, back again. And, you know, the psalms really are sort of nonlinear. <laughs> we kind of keep hitting these things. And now, it, you know, the godly and the ungodly and the godly just view life and, you know, often money differently. You know, they're stingy trying to take it from people that, that they, they don't, uh, that deserve their pay. And I'll tell you, sometimes working for people with more money, they don't want to pay you your wages even. I'm not saying all of them, but I've said I've worked for a few that it's like you get, you got to squeeze them to get that nickel out of them. <laughs> Earn that nickel. <laughs> uh, versus a godly way to look at wealth is to be generous. And so what we've been given, we bless others with. It's like if we have a buffet of food, but you, but you just want to eat it yourself? It's not, you're not even going to be able to eat it all. It'll all rot. You invite your friends. You invite people. You invite people who are hungry. And so it's just this different way of, of looking at things and looking at life and money. Uh, and this is, this is true about other things, uh, the other money. They're, they're givers and takers in life, right? Like there's people who will give you the shirt off your back. And there's people who will take the shirt off your back. <laughs> And as believers, we're, we're called to live this, this generous in light. Now, it is okay to set boundaries on giving. Like, don't, that's, a, that's a whole other sermon. I'm not saying you have to give everything uh, to the guy on the corner of the street. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're made to be generous people. Verse 22 says, Those 
the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never uh, fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Everyone said amen. <laughs> Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. And, uh, you know, uh, the steps, you know, uh, you know the, uh, there's an old... You, most of you probably wouldn't know who George Mueller was. He was an evangelist, founder of orphanages, like 200 years ago now. I don't know. He was one of the older guys. And uh, he, he next to this verse in his Bible, someone after he passed away, they looked at his Bible and said, you know, the steps, and he put, and the stops. Because following God, he'll direct your steps, and sometimes he'll stop you. I'll let that, that'll preach on its own. <laughs> in other words, let the Holy Spirit guide us and direct us um, where we go, what we do. And, you know, this is written, you know, David's a little older by the time he, he writes this psalm, you know, apparently. And, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of seen life play out. Uh, now, I made one or two mistakes when I was younger. You know, some of you have been around to see them. Uh, <laughs> made plenty of mistakes when I was even a young believer. Uh, you know, and, and there's wisdom in learning from people, though, who've been through some things and processed it in a godly way. And it says here, yet, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or children begging for bread. And this might remind you of Matthew 6, 26. says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? You know, and we ultimately we can trust in God. And we can, and we can trust him for our ultimate care. You know, I'm going to wrap up, and some of you are like, man, he's got a lot of verses left, and we're not even through this, so. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with actually the psalmist's own words here. And it says in verse 26, The godly always give generous loans to others. Their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will abandon the, he'll never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. But the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and he will live there forever. The godly offer good counsel and they teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed or let the godly be condemned when they are put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. When we're tempted to fret, let's trust, delight, and find our shelter in him.